I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. There's Christmas music all over the radio again this year. And I'm sitting here in my big, black, comfortable papa chair in my living room, listening to some of it. The Eagles' Please Come Home for Christmas is the fifth most played Christmas song on the radio again this year. was last year, too. Number four this time is Andy Williams' The Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Feliz Navidad by Jose Feliciano comes in at number three. Nat Cole's Christmas song is number two, been there for a long time. And the most played Christmas song so far this year is Bing Crosby's White Christmas. That was about 70 years ago he recorded that. All of those artists had a lot of hits in their careers, but the most popular Christmas song of all time was a one-hit wonder. Lots of artists have one-hit wonders. Gene Chandler legally changed his name to the Duke of Earl, remember? Duke, 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 Duke of Earl. Never had another hit. How about the singing nun? What a disappointment she must have had. She left the convent to go after a singing career, and she never had another hit. And don't forget the lawyer by the name of Francis Key. He couldn't sleep one night, so he stayed up and he composed his one big hit, The Star-Spangled Banner. Then there were Mildred and Patty Hill, a couple of kindergarten teachers who wrote the third most performed song ever composed in the English language. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and, of course, to bring things up to date, some Christmas songs, I suppose, should really have some edits in order to become politically correct. For example, Have Yourself a Merry Little Day of Winter would be an appropriate title. Or Frosty the Snow Person. How about Chestnuts roasting on a safely contained, continuous, monitored, eco-friendly, non-toxic outdoor fire. <laughs> Higher power, rest ye merry, gentle persons. <laughs> we make a mess, wouldn't it? Hark the herald mythical winged creatures sing. I saw Mommy greeting Santa Claus with a purely platonic expression of inoffensive mutual affection. And of course that'd be... I'll be home for a short period of time in December. Ah, yes, somehow I like the old ways better. The most popular Christmas song of all time, though, is so beautiful that for a long time lots of experts thought it must have been written by Beethoven. But they were wrong. And other experts, you know those guys, said, no, it wasn't Beethoven, it was Brahms. And some said, Mozart, of course it was Mozart. Wrong again, fruitcake breath. The biggest Christmas hit of all time was written on Christmas Eve of 1816 in Oberndorf, Austria. Father Joseph Moore wrote a poem that he wanted set to music for Midnight Mass. The church organist, Franz Gruber, said, okay. And he did a very simple arrangement of a very simple song. Had to be simple. The church organ wasn't working. And the song would have only a single guitar for accompaniment. Franz and Father Joseph sang the song together that night. Can you imagine you write only one song in your life? And it's silent night. Mm -hmm. 
dad was a church organist in Brooklyn, New York, so I know what a big deal Midnight Mass is for guys like Herr Gruber. Dad had a huge choir, around 40 men and 50 women and God knows how many kids. It was a big church. It's a basilica now. And right after Thanksgiving every year, Dad would double choir practices. And most of all, he'd go to the dark church at night by himself and practice on the big five-keyboard organ with the 32-foot-tall pipes. Some nights, he'd take me with him, and I liked that. I was just a little kid. We had to use flashlights to find the stairs because the church was always dark, except for the candle that they always kept burning by the altar. It was cold, too. I remember that. Mom knit him a big black wool sweater to keep him warm when he practiced. And he'd always finish his practice by playing Bach's Toccata and Fugue. You probably know it. Da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Bob. <laughs> he especially liked the Bob. It's uh, about the lowest note you can play on the organ pedals. And he would play that at church-rattling volume. And then he'd look over at me just before he, you know, little mustache would twitch and... I think I enjoyed that more than even a visit from St. Nick. I've been asking you for your ideas about what this season means to you. And a note came in from proud podcast participant, Pastor Mike. And as usual, he put it as well as anything can be put. Pastor Mike says... I think the problem religious people and secular folks have over Christmas is that they don't realize there are really two different celebrations going on at the same time. There's a celebration of the birth of Jesus and the joys and miracles of that wondrous night. But over the years, the story became ritualized and made solemn, and it became a believe-it-or-else kind of scenario. And the wonder and the joy and the significance of the gift that we've been given were lost. And people missed that. So they found other ways of expressing the joy that the ritual had taken away. And they expressed it instead in Christmas trees and Santa and Rudolph and Frosty and most of all in the giving of gifts to honor the greatest gift of all. Religious people, of course, hated this. They're not real, they said. No, they're not. But the truths they represent are the generosity of Santa, the loyalty and courage of Rudolph, the magic and happiness of Frosty, Those things are real, and we should bless them. Pastor Mike is my kind of pastor. You know, some people don't believe in Santa Claus. They'll tell you Christ was born in the spring, not on December 25th. And and they're right. But the truth is, I really don't care when Christ was born. I don't even care if he was really the Son of God. He gave us lots of good ideas and lots of love. 
And I figure that even if you don't believe in Christ at all, you have to admit that his birthday celebration is a blast. So is Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice, any other holiday that involves candles and music and getting people close together and some laughs that you really need these days, that's for sure. A few tears that you can't help. Good stuff to eat. And most important, some great loving. I especially like that part. What do you like best about the season? Got a story for me? Please send it. Doesn't need to be spectacular or even well-written. Just needs to be real, like Christmas. I'd really love to hear from you. My address is dick at dicksummer.com. There is a story about a very long time ago Christmas in my own life in the Love and Touch personal audio CD. story is called Christmas Warm. Bike bells, doorbells, typewriter bells, fire bells, alarm clock bells. Bells trickle through the calendar, tinkling down the days almost ignored until November dies. And then the school bells, timer bells, cash register bells all sing the sound of the season. Big bells, baby bells, telephone bells, telephone bells. They are the ones that give a glisten to the silver Christmas air. It was in an icicled outdoor telephone booth with the door frozen open and a small snowdrift in the coin return slot that I called to ask if you wanted to go Christmas shopping. And you said yes, in a voice that curled around and into my ear moist and warm from inside you. It was like slowly pressing my foot into a warmed, fur-lined bedroom slipper. It was the first time I ever really enjoyed the bustle of shopping. And when we finished, we stood in the brilliant cold to watch the flashing Christmas tree lights in the park. The reflections made candle-lit stained glass windows of your eyes. And right there, in the swirl of gold wrapping paper and red ribbon bows and the tumble of the hustling crowd while your arms were trapped under the bundles of Christmas gifts that we just bought, I said, Merry Christmas, and kissed you. It took you by surprise. You flicked your eyelashes wide enough for me to look at something that few women ever show a man. For as long as it took my breath to melt the snowflake from your wind-tangled hair, you slipped out of the delicate black lace of feminine mystery. Your eyes fed me the full, round, warm honey of your most personal love. And I think it was just my breath that painted pink frost crystals on your cheek. You just closed your eyes and stood there in an almost holy silence. And that's how we rode home that blizzard night, the car's heater thawing the scent of green pine from your fur collar. We were so close that I didn't even want the crunching of footsteps in the snow between us. So I carried you from the car to the house, the flowered tops of your nylons blooming in the snow falling on my corduroy coat sleeve, the jingle bells of my keys sounding the start of our first Christmas together. After unbuttoning our snowy clothes and rubbing our backs on the black velvet dark of our quiet room, you pressed the pink curves of your breasts and shoulders to my chest. You said it made you warm. such a long time ago.
Telephones have ringtones now instead of bells. The outdoor phone booths are all gone. But the Christmas lights are on again this year. And they're making sparkling reflections in that same lady's soft blue eyes for me. She's lighting my life and, and keeping our Christmas warm one more time. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.